Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation and anxiety caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Now, whether it's a ghost, a spirit, or an entity, they all feed on it. Take Maurice here. He's a French-Canadian farmer, had nothing more than a third-grade education, yet after he was possessed, he spoke some of the best Latin I'd ever heard, sometimes backwards. He'd been molested by his father, who had also tortured him repeatedly. A dark spirit made its home in this man. Now, if you look into his eyes, you can see him tearing blood. And like that, an upside-down cross started to appear from within his body. All right, Drew, you can hit the lights. Oh. Did you personally perform the exorcism? No, I'm not authorized, but I've assisted on many. See, an exorcism can be very dangerous, not only for the victim, but for anyone in the room. So what happened to Maurice? Well, he tried to kill his wife, but instead he shot her in the arm and then he turned the gun on himself. Maurice had a very troubled life with little to live for, and not even an exorcist could bring him back. Which brings us to the three stages of demonic activity. Infestation, oppression, and possession. Now, infestation, that's, that's the whispering, the footsteps, the feeling of another presence, which ultimately grows into oppression. The second stage. Now, this is where the victim, and it's usually the one who's the most psychologically vulnerable, is targeted specifically by an external force. Breaks the victim down, crushes their will, and once in a weakened state, leads them to the third and final stage, possession. Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! I am the eater of wolves and of children. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another terrifying installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 243, The Conjuring. Kind of a uh, pleasant surprise movie in 2013. Didn't see it coming at the time that it was going to just become this friggin' universe like everything is. We can't have anything. I don't want to be Mr. Cynical about it, but it's like... <laughs> I had such a good experience with it, and now it's just this shared universe stuff shouldn't diminish the first movie, but it kind of feels like it does. Yeah, sometimes it would be preferable if things could just stand on their own and not be a part of some giant attempt to suck out every imaginable <laughs> dollar that you possibly can. But it, then again, you look at other horror things sure. and they become yep. franchises that last forever so that's right i guess it's just a little more planning ahead in that sense mm -hmm. like let's lay the groundwork for a whole universe a whole framework based around these characters the warrens and go from there but we're just going to mostly talk about the 2013 original film which was a monster hit it came out at a perfect time there wasn't really anything else yeah. like it during that summer and it 
dominated at the box office. And to focus on the positive, I did really enjoy this movie quite a bit. I still like it. Usually when we're finishing the year, our, our top movies are, of course, like Paul Thomas Anderson or some weird French movie. But this was definitely a movie where something that w- was hitting with the mainstream was something that I was also really enjoying, which I, I got to say is not happening that often most years. So before we jump in and we get going with our second episode of this year's Greatest October, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. We definitely could use some more followers on there. Sure. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or or an assortment of other places where we pop up. Give us a rating and review on yeah. Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. I would say we could use a uh, morale boost. <laughs> We're always in look of that next high of someone saying that the podcast is not terrible. I know, because it's so <laughs> short-lived when we get it. Yeah, we're addicted to it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pathetic. If you'd like a sticker, let us know on Twitter. We can mail that to you for free. It's a good way to support the show. Maybe generate some yeah. discussion amongst your friends. I had to uh, shortchange the last one I sent out because I was like feeling the pressure from your text messages that I, I just needed to get it out the door. So like no personal message, just sticker and envelope. Oh my god. <laughs> You're really dropping the ball. I know. Well, it's just life is busy. <laughs> and then I'm getting the pressure from you. But did you did you get that sticker out the door yet? <laughs> and finally, you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby on there. We can see what you're watching. You can see what we're watching, what we think of it. I'm still logging a fair amount of movies per week. I really like leading to most of the conflict i would say on the show oh yeah the disparity between our reviews <laughs> me doing interviews for new co-hosts <laughs> <laughs> secretly right. yeah just had enough of this grumpy old man persona that you've been <laughs> cultivating now for a while all right so the conjuring was released in 2013 it was directed by james wan who also directed Insidious, which also stars Patrick Wilson. Insidious actually predates The Conjuring, yeah, which I found to be surprising because in my memory I didn't really remember it that way. Right. But that I, is I, the um, case. I, I liked Insidious, too. It hasn't lived on for me in a way where I, I ever revisited or, or anything, but I did like it. Yeah, I think this whole era was probably started by Sinister, which yes. is another popular one, but... Insidious was also a pretty big hit with on a very small budget. I think it probably took James Wan's career to the next level, but The Conjuring was the mainstream success story, which led to him directing a Fast and the Furious movie out of nowhere. That's right, yeah. The Conjuring was written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes, who I think are twins. Which is creepy in and of itself. It had a $20 million budget, and it went on to make $319.5 million at the box office with overwhelmingly positive reviews. It was a massive success, despite the fact that it was rated R, which actually I think works in its favor once you find out that it's rated R because it's scary. That's really it. <laughs> there's no sex. That's enough There's for no me. nudity. Yeah. There's minimal violence. Right. 
not to spoil the whole movie, but there's essentially zero kills. Yeah. And they don't swear. There's nothing in it that yeah. makes it R-rated except the fact that it's scary. That's true. And that's what they were told because they fought it and they were like, no, it's too scary. Wow. <laughs> you, did, you did too good of a job. There's we can't have this be PG-13. jump scares in it and it is creepy and they do a good job of limiting the CGI ghost stuff. Yeah. Well, I think once you rewatch it a bunch of times and then see it at home and see it during the day, you know, with the light coming in, sure. it loses its power. But yeah, that theatrical experience where you have an audience that's all keyed up, it seems super scary. Definitely. I definitely remember a big audience reaction during this movie. And it's sort of depressing now because of the pandemic and the way that people have gotten accustomed to experiencing movies in their own homes and stuff but when you get a really good crowd for a horror movie or for any kind of movie like a comedy or something but just a really game crowd oh yeah they're not distracted they're not ruining the experience but they're invested it's crowded and you experience it together that communal experience there's nothing like it right and i definitely had that experience with the conjuring and when it works when the movie is clicking it's unbelievable yeah it amplifies the experience so much. And I think for a lot of people who saw this in the theater, that was probably their experience. And that's why this movie has gone on to become this yeah modern, iconic thing. Well, and this movie is enjoyable on its own, regardless of the scary parts, which a lot of horror movies that you go to, you run the risk of a lot of teenagers just kind of making fun and being assholes. I did not like have anything remotely close to that type of experience with The Conjuring. You mean in the crowd? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that definitely happens. Right. I would say, I believe you've pointed this out before, movies in general, but I would say particularly horror movies targeted towards teenagers. Yeah. So you get that crowd a lot. But I think this is something that the entire audience just kind of gets into the vibe of. Oh, yeah. And I definitely think that the haunted house genre, the ghosts, demons there's just something wrong Yeah, thing appeals to the broadest possible audience. Right. It's not very specified. Unfortunately, I do think that movies that are more in an old school horror style don't necessarily translate as well to modern audiences. We're going to be covering one of those movies later this month Yeah, from the 70s. I just don't think that that works anymore on modern audiences. They expect yeah. things like this, which have a lot of jump scares. But the difference between this and like your typical jump scare bullshit is this does create like a good atmosphere the whole time. For sure. And you, t- you fully buy in and you allow it to build itself slowly. I think that's essentially why it was so popular. It, it appeals to the most amount of people. If you're into atmosphere more yeah. than jump scares, this movie can still work for you. And if you love the jump scares and that kind of stuff, I think the only people that this wouldn't appeal to as far as horror fans are people that are exclusively interested in blood and right. violence and torture porn elements and that kind of stuff. Because there's not really anything like that. Yeah. I would say that's a minor quibble, though, that they don't really go the full distance with a death or anything like that other than the dog. I will say for things that really scared me in my life for movies <laughs> and stuck with me like after the viewing, it's always this demonic possession stuff, much more so than violent killing, things like that, because it's just, what are you supposed to do? 
Yeah, sometimes those movies aren't as scary, but yeah. it's more like disturbing because right. you just don't want to look at it because it's gross. Yeah. I just think about movies like Rosemary's Baby. Imagine having sex with the devil while a room full of people are watching. Imagine it. <laughs> Horrifying. The Conjuring is based on the alleged real-life exploits of Ed and Lorraine Warren, a married couple who investigated paranormal events. Prior to The Conjuring Cinematic Universe, their reports inspired the Amityville Horror and subsequent film franchise, of which there are countless Amityville movies. They still come out every couple of years straight to VOD. I think Bella Thorne was in one a few years ago. I know, it is weird that they've made so many of those. I got to tell you, I don't remember them. Are they characters in the Amityville Horror movies at all, in any of them? I've never seen the original, actually. I've seen it once. I can barely remember it. I mostly remember the remake with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, he has like a 24-pack. <laughs> yeah. He's just somebody's dad. That's right. It's like, okay. Who I was don't... the daughter in that? Was it Kristen Stewart? As like, Or was it like Chloe Grace Moretz or something? And not a clear enough memory at this point. Kristen Stewart, I think, was the daughter maybe in a different horror movie. Cause I, Panic I Room. No, there know. was another yeah. one. <laughs> I remember the remake with Ryan Reynolds not being bad. It was like, I, okay. I enjoyed it in the theater. But when I saw this movie, and obviously they make a a nod to the Amityville stuff at the end, and you kind of quickly, once you start researching the Warrens, you're like, oh, yeah, they were tied in with all these other things, like the Haunting in Connecticut movie. I just I, I didn't remember them really being in the Amityville movies. I would think they probably are at some point, but I really don't know. Yeah, the real-life Warrens are a little bit more complicated, I think, than the movies portray. I don't really want to spend a lot of time getting into the yeah controversies, but you can feel free to Google that information. You find out a little bit more about some of the non-exorcism controversies, like stuff not even tied in with that aspect, just their personal lives. Right. But there is also an element of, are these people just grifters yeah or are they true believers and they just believe in something that i personally don't really think is real but i don't know yeah the more cynical side of me thinks that this is just a money-making venture for them their whole lives and they took advantage of vulnerable people who were dealing with things that they didn't understand be it mental illness or something like that and it, it gets right transformed into a whole thing i don't know but for the sake of talking about the movie yeah. itself, I don't really think it's super important. I think as we talk about the Warrens on this episode, it's going to be the fictionalized version oh, yeah, of for the Warrens sure. for this movie. We're definitely going to be se- separating fiction from fact, which right, I right. think is usually the opposite. You want to separate fact from fiction if you're talking about the news or something. But since we're talking about a fictional movie, we're going to be separating yeah. the fiction from the fact and not really that concerned with the real life stuff. Since we're talking about something much more important than the news... That's true, yeah, exactly. Horror movies. Right. We've touched on it a little bit already, but this movie spawned what would become known as the Conjuring Cinematic Universe, which has turned into a whole franchise of films, including two sequels to The Conjuring, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I don't think Matt has seen the newest one. Correct. Not that it's really worth checking out at all. It also spawned three movies based on Annabelle, Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I remember the first one coming out. I didn't know there was two sequels to it. Yeah, there are, I believe, Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, and Annabelle Comes Home. 
I have seen none of them. Annabelle kills. And I'm going to abstain from commenting on them simply because even though I don't think that they would be interesting to me, I have been proven wrong with other films like Ouija Origin of Evil, which sounds like it would be horrible yeah. and yet was great. You know, so I don't want to pass judgment. And then there was also The Nun, mm-hmm. which is something taken from The Conjuring 2. Right. And then there's one called The Crooked Man, which is coming out later. And I I believe at one point, they may have like backtracked this, but they were trying to push in trailers that The Curse of La Lorna was tied in with this in some way. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe that isn't true. But I feel like there was some connection at one point that they were trying to say. And then yeah. that movie sort of I'm bombed. Really so maybe sure. they... I like The Conjuring quite a bit. But as you go through that, I'm now realizing that I, I don't think I would be considered a fan of The Conjuring universe because I've only seen 20% of the movies. Yeah. I think what works best is that The Conjuring takes everything that came before it as far as the history of horror films and uses that knowledge to make an amalgam style film right the basic setup is a haunted house style movie but there's also a lot of found footage influence in the film yeah and it borrows heavily from the exorcist and poltergeist as well yeah i would say the poltergeist angle is really you know i love the original poltergeist I don't think this is quite at that level in terms of how high I hold it up there, but I do think that it kind of captures some of the things that I really like about Poltergeist. Yeah, they set up a a likable family. This movie is definitely favoring relationships over relentless scares. Right. It spends a lot of time introducing you to the parent family, which is the family afflicted with the demon and everything. But you also have that, setup where the outsiders come in the family's sleeping in the living room you have the cameras and all this shit That's set right. up yeah. it's very similar and you can see that influence in this movie it's very good at setting up a fairly realistic feeling family dynamic yeah i think that one thing that sounds like a negative would be that this movie is not super original and it's not but it does the best possible thing of not being original, which is wearing its influences on its sleeve, but making something new out of it. That's right. You wouldn't say that The Conjuring has reinvented anything. It's in a long line of movies about ghosts and demons and exorcisms and all of that shit, but it combines a lot of different styles and approaches to those things and comes out with something new feeling. Yeah. And as we touched on it, it appeals to a large segment of the audience. The Conjuring stars Patrick Wilson as Ed Warren, Vera Farmiga as Lorraine Warren, Ron Livingston as Roger Perrin, and Lily Taylor as Carolyn Perrin. Kind of interesting choices for the parents, but recognizable people, I guess. Yeah, we can talk more about Livingston's performance as we go along. There are a few moments where I feel like he's not fully committing to this movie. Yeah. He's almost in a different movie than everyone I, I else. I can't really tell if that's just the character, though, too. <laughs> he's yeah, kind of well. Beaten down. Yeah, but even when things get. Su- I'm talking about like yeah. when things get super intense at right. the end of the movie. He almost seems like he's on a different level as everyone else. Yeah, like yeah. he's so far below them in terms of intensity that you're like, what is going well, on with Really, this dude? in the scene where the big moment where she's like trying to kill 
the youngest yes. daughter, and he is just like, "Don't do that." Yeah, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, at he's that like, level. Doesn't care. Yeah, he's probably thinking like, "Well, if I get rid of one of these daughters and she goes away to jail, like, how can I get out of this life?" <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking about starting I just over. Need to get my rig and like hit the road. <laughs> I should have never have come back from Florida <laughs> on that last trip. So the movie kicks off with what will essentially become a teaser for Annabelle, where we have the college-aged girls talking about the possessed doll. Here's my thing on this, because I I used to push back against this all the time, as everything was starting to be remade and people were like really against that, which now I sound like I'm one of those people because I'm always complaining about it, but I used to always kind of have this stance of just because there's remakes and these continuations and things. It doesn't diminish the original movie. Now I kind of feel like when I watch this and I'm like this scene. Oh, this is so obviously just setting up other movies, even though I obviously the first time you watch this, it's kind of like this cool introduction to something else. That's not the main antagonist of the movie. Yeah. I can still separate it because I'm just trying to judge the 90. I guess it's like, actually closer to two hours but i'm just judging the movie itself i think it's like a pretty cool way to introduce us to these characters let us know they've had a an established history and it's a gamble because well not a gamble but it's not necessarily going to pay off if this movie was a huge bomb then they're not going anywhere with the annabelle shit oh totally totally listen i'm in support of that mindset it's just it has kind of had an effect on me and maybe it's because in this instance I would not have necessarily thought that this would have been a movie that would have spawned a whole universe. Yeah, it wouldn't have occurred to me either, but that's probably why we're not in the business. That's right, yeah. I think to the outside people... (laughs) That's the main reason? Or I think to the studio people, they as soon as they see the Warrens with this room full of crazy shit, they're like, well, if this Conjuring movie works, we got a whole world of sequels here. Just turn that faucet on. But even in their wildest dreams, I find it hard to believe that they thought there would be three Annabelle movies. Sure. Originally, in real life, the doll was a Raggedy Ann doll, but they thought that that wasn't scary enough, so they created something else. It would be for me, I think. Any doll in any form or shape. I don't know it's if you have creepy. that like dramatic music and it just cuts no, to like a raggedy end all. Yeah, I don't know. If, I, I, think say, people, I think you'd get laughs. W- what they picked works well, but I think in real life, a raggedy end all with some sort of cursed backstory would creep me out. <laughs> like if you just had a raggedy end all like in the corner of your room. Well, yeah. Well, that would definitely be weird. Or like a baby Jane doll. Right. <laughs> that would be horrifying. <laughs> For a whole other list of reasons. Yes. So, yeah, we get a montage of the girls dealing with this doll. The doll doesn't want to leave. It's writing in crayon on shit, all kinds of different stuff. These girls are, like, in college, right? Yeah. Imagine this is, like, your college experience. Yeah, I guess it lends itself to credibility that it's not, like, little kids saying this shit. But, again, in real life, I find it hard to believe that this doll is really doing this stuff. It seems like an elaborate prank someone's pulling. Like we said, we're not going to spend too much time about, like, the reality of what went on with the Warrens. But it is interesting that there's enough of these stories out there, and a lot of them have to have some nuggets to them that these people like actually like reached out to quote-unquote professional help for these situations. We are beyond terrified. We don't know what's going on or what to do. Can you help us? Yes, we can. Now, firstly, 
there's no such thing as Annabelle, and there never was. Ghosts don't possess such power. I think what we have here is something extremely manipulative. It's something inhuman. It was a big mistake acknowledging this, though. And through that, the inhuman spirit tricked you. You gave it permission to infest your lives. What's an inhuman spirit? It's something that's never walked the earth in human form. It's something demonic. So the doll was never possessed? No, no, it was used as a conduit. It was moved around to give the impression of possession. Demonic spirits don't possess things. They possess people. It wanted to get inside of you. So this is our introduction to the demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who confirm that a ghost would not be able to possess a doll. These girls yeah. have given permission. There's rules. But it's a demon. It's something that's never walked the earth in human form, as we find out. Which I think is kind of an effective, fun way to start the movie, is to distinguish between ghosts and demons. That's right. One seems easier to deal with than the other. Oh, yeah. It's basically like, ghosts, forget about that. This isn't Casper or right. some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is like something This thing's going to fuck you up. And you immediately start thinking about The Exorcist or things like that. Oh, yeah. Some words come onto the screen to set us up. It says, since the 1960s, Ed and Lorraine Warren have been known as the world's most renowned paranormal investigators. Lorraine is a gifted clairvoyant, while Ed is the only non-ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. Out of the thousands of cases throughout their controversial careers, there is one case so malevolent they've kept it locked away until now, based on a true story. Pretty good. I like that. Leaving. I like it, but then when you see the sequels, you realize right. they basically go to the well. They return to the well with the, well, this case yeah, is yeah. the biggest case or the worst case. Right. And even when this one plays out and you return to this, you're like, really? This is the biggest one? I got to tell you, it seems like Amityville was more fucked up than this. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> they're selling the idea that this is the worst because this right. is their movie. That's right. Yes. <laughs> The movie takes place in 1971, which is great. Oh, yeah. Because there's a cool late 60s, early 70s vibe to this movie. Yeah, and I think it lets it live in its own time, and it never feels dated because it always belongs yeah. to this 1971 era. I'm a pretty big fan of the Lorraine Warren wardrobe. Yeah, she's definitely got a unique sense of style. Yeah. Big collars. That's right. A lot of frilly material there. And we got like zombies songs on the soundtrack. Oh, we're going to get there in a second. All right. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that song specifically. So we have Roger and Carolyn Perrin moving into a big old farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, with their five daughters, who we're going to try to keep straight. I know Matt never knows characters' names, and this is going to be particularly difficult. Although I was telling you what was up before the show about like which daughter is which. All right. Yeah. All right, so you get one, in my... <laughs> one time. Yeah, sometimes I can shine. We have Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. They range from moody teens to little girls. Some of them factor in more than others. Yeah. It's not super important to keep them all straight, but those are their names. They kind of have an angle... Except for the oldest daughter, really. She's, I would say, the least involved and has like the least 
amount of her own story. She's the least thrilled to be moving. I guess they came from New yeah. Jersey. But as they're unloading their vehicles and moving into this big house, you're already on high alert as a guy. You're like, oh, God, this seems like a complete nightmare for poor Raj. (laughs) Just outnumbered. (laughs) I don't think a lot to deal with. I don't think he's calling a lot of the shots. Oh, no. Ominously, the family dog Sadie refuses to enter the house. Yeah, this is our first clue that something is awry. (laughs) Anytime the dog isn't thrilled, you know that something's going down. Yeah, they have that sense. I don't know. It sucks, though. I've talked about it on other episodes. I'm never a fan of this killing the dog thing. Well, it happens off screen, at least. That's true. Yeah. And they get over it pretty quick. Absolutely. (laughs) Almost too quick. Yeah. That's more of a product of the 70s. I think people nowadays, oh, my God. Yeah, well, they couldn't post about it on Facebook in 71. Instagram, yeah. Yeah. They couldn't do a whole... They couldn't live stream their dog's funeral (laughs) (laughs) so time of the season by the zombies plays here and i wish i could remember who tweeted this but it's a tweet that always stuck in my head that was basically like (laughs) what's your name who's your daddy is he rich is he rich like me has there ever been any lyrics harder than that (laughs) i was just (laughs) like you know what no i mean that is yeah (laughs) announcing your arrival (laughs) and your intentions that's right what's your name who's your daddy who's your daddy is he rich like me it is pretty great i'll say that april the youngest of the girls finds a creepy ass music box outside by that horrible looking tree there's a big dead-looking yeah. twisted tree by a lake in the backyard. I might be like mixing this up, but my memory of when Annabelle spinoff happens, they use this music, the music box song, at least for the trailer. Probably, but I don't know. Even though it actually has nothing to do with Annabelle. As soon as this girl found this music box, I'd be like, kids, get in the car. We're yeah. leaving. We're, this is it. As soon as I pulled up to the driveway, I'd be like, kids, we're leaving. This place is a dump. <laughs> Well, I assume that they would have had to have seen it a little bit. Right. We have Joey King playing Christine, still growing her hair back from playing young Talia Agul in The Dark Knight Rises. That's right. They set up this hide-and-go-clap game or hide-and-clap game, which is a great device and leads to some of the best scares in the movie. Definitely. It's a perfect way... To invent something that I'm yeah. sure a lot of people... I never even heard of this game, the, the way they do about, it. I know. You could have all sorts of fun with this many siblings. Just a nonstop list of potential games that could be played, you know? <laughs> I mean, you could have full-on... You have enough for a football team. Yeah, but by the time the youngest gets old enough, the oldest doesn't want to play with... You know what I mean? Yeah, They're but never all at the right age. If I was the oldest, I'd be coming back and being like, I- I'm going to beat everybody's ass at basketball. Just dunk on everybody. <laughs> it's probably different when they're girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the first night, the family discovers the entrance to a cellar, which has been boarded up. No, seriously, kids, get in the car. We're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> We have a creepy music box in a boarded-up cellar. Why are we staying? I know. Actually, they do a decent job explaining why later, which is so simple, and you wish that it would happen in more movies like this, where they're like, look, 
what else are we supposed to do? We have all of our money tied up in this place. We're not rich. Yeah. And we have seven of us. We can't just like stay somewhere. Right. I wish you would have given me the advice that I shouldn't be here like before I bought this house. (laughs) (laughs) That night, Sadie's freaking out outside and paranormal events start happening almost immediately. Every clock in the house stops at 3.07 a.m., Carolyn Again. wakes up with large bruises all over her body. The clock stopping at 3.07 a.m. would be enough for me. And yeah, more than that, one clock. Yeah, I'd be like, this is not okay. There's some strange smells and some cold spots That's in the right. house. Yeah. And worst of all, poor Sadie didn't make it through that night. This house is fucked already. That is clear. And they do a pretty good job of condensing this all into a short amount of time but still letting it play out where you can like have a gradual build of the scares and the dread. Yeah. Because within this early time frame, you have Cindy sleepwalking, you have the ghost grabbing Christine's feet the first time. That's right. The ghosts in this house are like obsessed with feet. Uh, <laughs> it's like a Tarantino movie. Birds flying into the side of their house, committing suicide. Yeah. My kind it, of birds. It's disturbing. Yeah. There's enough here that you would think, okay, I'm not really sure that I want to like commit my future to this estate. But this is basically 50 years ago. Yeah, that's right. So I just don't think people would have been in that mindset in, in the early 70s. There weren't that many horror movies, really. Yeah, that's right. So what were they basing this off of other than it being weird? I, yeah, you're right. I don't know. Obviously, they'd heard of ghosts. It's, I mean, that wasn't like a new invention. But other than the... Ghosts grabbing Christine's right. feet, which is the first time that happens. It's never yeah. confirmed. Like she sort of brushes it off. That's uh, yeah. There's no one in the house being like, "Remember that part in The Exorcist?" <laughs> yeah, they were still a couple years away. Yeah, Roger's a truck driver, and the four older girls go to school, so that leaves April at home with Mom Carolyn. Man, and- imagine just these days being home alone. I'd be like, I have to get a job. <laughs> Not if I'm April, but like the mom. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, I just couldn't yeah, but, be in this house every day, you know, with no one around. Yeah, but it's it, they don't fully grasp the situation yet. We're yeah, still, like, very early on, where it's just, like, sort of weird. Right. It escalates, and, it, yeah. and once it starts escalating... Well, I guess it, it, I was just born with an imagination that it's like, if something's weird, I'm already going all over the place to how messed up this all is. Well, people had to be more mature back yeah, then. Yeah, that's right. They weren't really like conditioned this way because they didn't grow up watching like as much television as we did. But April starts talking to an imaginary friend named Rory, who mm-hmm. she claims that you can see in the reflection of the mirror part of the music box, which lends itself to some decent setups for some scares. But there's no actual payoff yet because it's like holding back. It's saving itself. Because when Carolyn tries it, she doesn't actually see anything, and April just jumps in and tries to scare her. Although I thought Carolyn was sitting on Rory, because the way that (laughs) April's positioned at the table, and she's talking, it's like as if somebody's across from her. I think ghosts would just be able to dissolve and then reform somewhere else. They're not rooted to a spot. It's like, ah, what the fuck? (laughs) You bitch! (laughs) So we get our first hide and clap scare. And this is the moment where I think the movie goes to like the next level. Definitely. And this is a really cool in-theater scare because it's only for the audience. Yeah, because she's not sure of what just happened. That's right. Carolyn and April play the game because the older girls never let April play. 
So she talks mom into doing it. Carolyn puts the blindfold on. It has to spin around and count while April goes to hide. And the object of the game is to find the other person with the blindfold on. But you get three claps. Yeah. So you can say when you want them to clap the first time, the second time, the third time, and then you have to find them. The requests for claps lead Carolyn to one of the bedrooms, which has this wardrobe. It's like a big bureau closet type thing. Nothing good comes out of these big freestanding wardrobes. Yes. I would agree with that. I would recommend not owning one. (laughs) This is where... The movie being careful not to blow their load with the slow patient escalation pays off because, as you said, the audience experiences this scare that the characters don't even really fully grasp yet. Because it's visual for us. As she goes into this bedroom, the wardrobe door creaks open. She's already used two claps. She hears the wardrobe door creak open and thinks it's April in there, Mm -hmm. but she's got a blindfold on. She asks for the third clap, and these two hands reach out of the closet. It is creepy because it seems like not April's hands, but it's done in a way yeah. where it's in the background, and you can't 100% right. be sure of what but the hands are. But they kind of look ghostly and green. A little bit, yeah. yeah. So she goes over to the wardrobe and starts looking in there, saying, I know where you are, I know where you are. And then once she realizes that April's not in there, she takes her blindfold off and is like, kind of panicking yeah and then april comes from the hallway being like oh you took your blindfold off i win i was in a different room and to be fair about what you were saying before that is one of those scenarios that then people just start to believe that like it doesn't make like you start coming up with reasons as to why you thought you heard something in here like the blindfold threw your senses off or something (laughs) yeah like you just start rationalizing what because otherwise you're like there's no way this could make sense and you have to try to like reason it out in your head yeah exactly even at this point you're not going to fully commit to the idea that the house is haunted although i did live in an apartment that was part of a house and like the first night there was like a strange noise on the steps because in my closet yeah there was another door that went up to the attic and there were steps and it sounded like someone was coming down the steps all night and i was like flipping out and when it's late at night, it's completely pitch black, That's and you right. hear noises like that. I don't know. Sometimes you can convince yourself of oh, the yeah. worst. Yeah. And it took almost a full school year to figure out what that sound was. And I was able to recreate it accidentally by the door not being fully closed and having a window open and the, the wind like making the door oh, yeah. move in a certain way where it sounded like a descending sound. Right. But it took months and months and months for that finally to be cleared up and it was like a whole thing see now i'm always just like oh it's just either rats or mice (laughs) which would be worse in (laughs) a lot of ways for you that night the malevolent spirit takes it up a notch with christine pulling her leg she thinks that it's her sister nancy who she shares a room with but then she wakes up and she sees that nancy's asleep in her bed and she clearly sees something in the room or by the door but nancy who's now woken up, she cannot see it. These kids are great in this movie. There's a couple times where they're playing off each other, like reacting to what one of the sisters is doing. And I think it's so effective every time. This is one of the scenes. The fact that one of the girls is freaked out, everyone else is like, what the fuck is going on?
sudden door slam which sends christine into hysterics the whole family runs in she tells her dad that the thing said it wants my family dead yeah but you never see anything right as a viewer but how freaked out she is is like so palpable and it it does unnerve the rest of the family yeah because she's fully selling it that's right we check in with the warrens and we get an allusion to a past traumatic incident with lorraine which will not really be fully explained until part two of the series. Yeah, but what you do see in this one is scary. That guy. <laughs> yeah, the the little flashback sequence is scary, but they never f- fully show right. that, really. Yeah. It's more of like they explain what she sees in this vision right. in the, the second movie. Right away when you see that little flashback, you're like, I got to tell you, whatever was happening in that exorcism seemed worse than this one i guess in a way to portray the warrens as good people they show us them debunking a false alarm in a house in other yeah. words just because you hear a strange noise they're not gonna milk you for your money and... i can't remember which supernatural paranormal show it was but there is one where their like main job was they like worked for a roto rooter or whatever and it felt very reminiscent of that because most of the, those guys would go to people's houses and try to like mess with the pipes and stuff and be like, this is your ghost. Yeah. 
but that's what they're kind of building with this scene is that like the idea that the Warrens mostly try to debunk this stuff. Yes, that's what they want us to believe <laughs> in that's this right. scene. Yes, back at the parent house. It's nighttime again, which completely fucking sucks for anyone trying to live there. <laughs> I'd be dreading it every day. Yeah. Carolyn hears laughing and clapping and assumes it's her daughter's up past their bedtimes because I guess it's actually very late. Yeah. Well, when she's in the middle of the night checking out the scene and like all the kids are like way passed out. But when she goes to investigate, they're all asleep. And then there's an insanely loud crash as all of the framed pictures along the staircase just get knocked over at once. It's a little straining of the credibility here that no one else is awakened by that. It's very loud. That's right, yeah. This movie is not afraid to rely on that crutch a little bit with just the sudden loud noises. Yeah, I've slept through... Some pretty wild things in my life. Like There's five of them, though. One <laughs> yeah, of them would have woken yes. up. She then hears clapping in the downstairs hallway as if people are playing hide and clap. And so we are now headed into the second big hide and clap scare of the film. This is the most memorable one. I actually think this is probably the scene that stuck with me the most after seeing it. Yeah. Not to take anything away from the end of the film... But that felt like familiar territory to me. I'd seen a lot of exorcism-style films. There's The Exorcist. There's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. There's The Last Exorcism. They all sort of lead to the same place as the end of this movie. But this felt completely original to me. I had never seen something set up like this. It reminded me a little bit of other Haunted House movies, maybe like The Others with Nicole Kidman or something like that. But. This was just a very well-done moment where she thinks she hears something in the basement. The piano is making a weird noise down there. Well, the piano mimics what she played on it earlier in the movie when they first go in the basement. Yes. Which is kind of creepy all by itself. Yeah, it's almost like the song from Lords of Salem. That's right, yeah. Don't, don't. (laughs) A reference everyone loves. So she goes in there, the door slams with a lot of slamming doors. Definitely. Ghosts are just assholes with these doors. That's right. Like, they do like to make a scene. <laughs> They're so dramatic. That's right, yeah. <laughs> the real ghost wives of Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just slamming doors, throwing drinks in their faces. <laughs> just like smashing picture frames. It knocks Carolyn down the basement steps, locking her in. The ball coming oh, yeah. off of that wall of junk is pretty scary this would be just beyond traumatic for me being trapped in the basement yeah oh there's an exploding light bulb so the lights go out she runs up the basement steps they do a pretty decent job of focusing the camera on her husband when he left the matches there yeah roger so you remembered there were matches left on the basement steps so it makes sense that she suddenly has matches at the landing at the top right she lights those matches the first time there's nothing and then the second time the hands reach right by her face and clap. I think it's the best scare in the movie. Yeah. It's so unexpected to have those hands just reach out right next to her. Right. It's, it feels original. I'd say so. I don't know if maybe there's some things like it, but I, I feel like it's definitely the most memorable moment. While that's happening, Andrea and Cindy are attacked in a bedroom when Cindy has been 
sleepwalking again. Yeah, once they introduce this element that that's something that would previously happen with her. Yes. You're like, okay, well, this family's already been dealing with some weirdness then. Because, listen, if I was growing up with one of my sisters sleepwalking, I think that would freak me out just by itself. Imagine how freaked out they would be if you were sleepwalking. Yeah, that's a fair point. Nude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, she goes into Andrea's room and just starts banging her head on that wardrobe. Yeah, concussion-like This is the second time she's done it, yeah. (laughs) They had to bring her into the tent. That's right. (laughs) This is the second time she's done it. The first time Roger was there and just sort of took her back to bed. This, This time he's not there. Andrea wakes up and she's like, all right, well, you can just sleep with me. She's talking to her as if she's awake, but she's not really awake. And then the thumps of the wardrobe continue on their own once she's taken Cindy away from it. And there's a bloody ghost woman crouched on top. And this is our first look at one of the demons. That part scared me. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a jump scare moment where she's suddenly there. Fucking slumped shoulders Raj returns from a big trip just in time to find a house full of screaming. And he's just like, Jesus Christ. I know. (laughs) Imagine that you're coming back from like this long journey down the East Coast and back. Yes. Oh, finally home. I can't wait to kick off my shoes and maybe make a move on the old lady tonight. No. (laughs) Just this house is a disaster. Yeah, lights are on. People are screaming. You can hear them from the driveway. And so he's there to rescue his wife. And then, of course, the other girls are screaming. They run up there. And Andrea's on the ground fighting off something that they can't see it right. just it's like a whole thing is going on yeah carolyn how did you lock yourself in the basement blaming her <laughs> well i do think it's interesting that in this film there is no resistance to yeah. the idea even from roger who doesn't experience a lot of this firsthand it's something that we talked about a little bit way back when we did a nightmare on elm street where you have the person that's experiencing it Nancy, and she's Mm -hmm. trying to uh, convey this idea to her parents or to the doctors, to people who don't know what the fuck she's talking about. And it's always that person who seems crazy because they know what's going on, but they can't convince everyone. You don't have that in this movie. No. Everyone just sort of like, okay, this house is haunted. We got to go to the next level. And even when they bring in the Warrens, like there's no resistance from Roger. He's just like, please help us to, you know. Yeah. Everyone's on board. Yeah, I mean, I guess things happening kind of ad nauseum. Like, it's it's not that slow of a build. Oh, yeah, it's escalated yeah. now. There's right. not going to be a night of peace anymore. No, no. Although I do think they condense it all down a little bit. Because even when the Warrens come in and they're explaining about the doors banging and how they've tied the doors together, that seems like nights have gone by. Exactly, yeah. I think it's a little bit trimmed and shaved They've just down. like come to this being their reality which is what a rough existence so carolyn tracks down the warrens for help they're giving a presentation i guess at a school or something like, i'm not really not sure just have office hours or something there's no phone number they can call they have to show up at <laughs> one of their presentations well i guess they were within driving this be like please come to our house i know you probably had dinner plans but our situation trumps that although ed Wanting nothing to do with it. He's like, we got to get home. Yeah. They try to justify that as him being protective of Lorraine, who had that rough experience. 
which is the experience I guess that they're talking about now with the exorcism with the guy with the upside down cross. Right. That whole thing. That seems to be the one where she had the rough go of it and now he doesn't want to get her mixed up in anything, but she's like, of course we'll come. So they come out to the house to conduct an initial investigation. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi. Thanks for coming. Hi, I'm Roger. Lorraine. Nice to meet you, Roger Ed Warren. Thanks for coming. Mm -hmm. Please, come in. Thank you. So. Oh, my God. Look at you all. Who are these beautiful young women? Andrea, the oldest, Nancy, Cindy, Christine, and April. It's Mr. and Mrs. Warren. We, um, we're all sleeping down here now. Mm. The girls feel safer, and it's warmer. I'm constantly turning up the heat, but the house is always freezing. It's not a problem with the furnace, though. I mean, not that I can find. It's gotten a lot worse the past few nights. There's this awful smell like rotting meat that moves around the house. Uh, what? What is it? Well, rancid smells could indicate some type of demonic activity. Well, that's to keep those doors from banging at night. Otherwise, it's like all night long, just like that. Does it come in threes? Yeah. Stops at dawn? Uh-huh. Well, sometimes it's meant as an insult to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the damnedest thing, but we also get all kinds of birds that will just fly against the side of the house and break their necks. Hmm. Really? And the clocks stop at 3.07 a.m. All of them? Everyone. Oh, we were hanging those along the stairs. Something just kept knocking them down, so we stopped hanging them up. That's what I was talking about. It was here when we moved in. There's also a lot of stuff in the cellar. Show me the cellar. During this whole thing, there's a lot going on here, but I do love that Perrin family photo, the one that is connected to the memory. It's the it fakest looks looking out thing. out of place. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's even in the right era. Yeah, it looks fake for the 70s. It looks just not what like pictures look like. Right. It's shot from like below, so the only background is a blue sky, which I find yeah. to be odd looking. The way this family is portrayed, wouldn't you think that this is the type of family that never went on a family vacation, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I mean, I guess this is like their one happy memory. <laughs> <laughs> that one vacation we were able to go on. I don't know. I just think the, the picture itself looks weird. They I can buy a the... half hour from the Jersey Shore, but they were only ever able to go to the beach once. <laughs> Everyone in the picture looks exactly the same, so I'm assuming this happy memory had just happened. That's right. Yeah, we know you guys have to leave your beloved New Jersey, but we'll take you on vacation one time before then. The Warrens check out the house, explain things. They almost let the parents explain it first 
and just sort of make their decision yeah. based on what they're being told. I guess they're like, how would these people know? No, we figure out that Lorraine is kind of being coy about all this because she knows something is up immediately. Oh, yeah, definitely. But they're like, oh, yeah, there's a rotting meat smell. This, That's right. This yeah. door bangs in threes. All these things that are like telltale signs to the Warrens. But yeah. the parents are providing that on their own. True. Lorraine says something awful happened here, Ed, and they agree to take the case. Right away, Lorraine goes and talks to April about Rory. She uses the music box and actually sees a quick shot of Rory in the reflection of the music box. That's right. Moment of truth. Lorraine, a clairvoyant, sees that dark entities have latched on to the Perrin family. As you mentioned, she saw this right away, although she doesn't say anything. That's right, yeah. And so she's like, what the fuck? And she's letting Ed go through all this questioning. But I, based on the answers, I think he's pretty much, yeah, something's up here. And so just leaving the actual house will not free them because the demons have attached themselves to the physical people. That's this fun. does set up an unanswerable moment later when you're like, well, what the fuck did they go to that motel for in the, anyway? Yeah. Doesn't seem like that would have changed anything. I know. But sometimes I just think it's better <laughs> better to get it on visiting court than its home okay. territory, you know? Well, yeah, but it sets up like a whole scene. Yeah. The new goal will be to gather evidence so that the church will authorize an exorcism on the house. In order to accomplish this, the Warrens, along with their assistant, Drew Thomas, and a police officer named Brad Hamilton. Yeah, how do you think Drew got this job? Did he apply for it? How did he become the assistant to the Warrens? I'm sure there's some story where they went to the same church or something. Yeah. But yeah, and then I guess the idea of the cop being involved is kind of a unique angle. They will place cameras, recorders, and bells around the house. So Brad Hamilton... That's Judge Reinhold's character's name from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's the first thing that jumps out to wow. me. Didn't think of that. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like as cool as Judge Reinhold in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Meaning he's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a cool mustache. I really don't know why they bring in a cop for this, but There's I would something assume. something that does make it seem more legitimate. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but. As if they have some protocol for this. Yeah. Where they have to include, like, one person from local authorities to make sure, I don't know, everything's on the up and up. This is an R-rated horror film. Like, how do you get that detail? But much like The Exorcist, it is a very religious film. Yeah. It's very based in catholicism or christianity you're just like rhode island pd or whatever and your boss is like you're on warren detail this weekend i think he's doing it on his own oh okay because he says he has to go do a shift yeah at yeah one point. all right that's true he's probably making a little extra cash moonlighting as a that's assistant. right because he's not there because he's a believer we know that no they probably requested this to help lend some legitimacy to it my point was... Yeah, sure, please. This film is oddly very Christian, which you wouldn't really associate with horror films other than maybe The Exorcist. But it is also subtle, too. It's just always present, though, if you pay attention, because they're always talking about the Warren family being recognized by the Catholic Church. They themselves are members of the church, 
And so this protocol that they have to go through to get approval is very important to them. This is not some spur-of-the-moment yeah, spur yeah. hobby. This is going to be done by the rules and by the books. Although, of course, they have to throw that out later because things get too wild. But, yeah, it is interesting that this type of movie would be rated R and appeal to such a huge audience and be like this big thing. But it is very tied in with old school Catholicism that's about right yeah. exorcisms and-, and even like the idea of the Catholic Church having this whole protocol yes we do this amount of exorcism work we're on call for it but you have to hit X protocol in order for us to participate in this that's kind of like an underbelly to this whole thing well this is two years before the film The Exorcist was released in the theaters which I think saw a spike in interest in people a performing exorcisms or b claiming that they were possessed and needed an exorcism so yeah this would have been a time where a lot of people probably wouldn't have even been familiar with the idea because it was so sure, yeah. ancient at that point it wasn't really a part of modern world anymore and it was sort of brought back by the movie the exorcist into the, like popular culture okay i mean yeah some people knew about it sure. it wasn't like a complete thing but I think a lot of average people probably would have only vaguely even known about it or understood what it was because it just yeah. wasn't like a thing it's that people really talked like about. It's not a part of most people's lives. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah, really. <laughs> so this is the part that's sort of like Poltergeist where they they basically move into the house and they set up all this stuff everywhere to try to capture proof of the infestation. Yeah, and this kind of has like a fun paranormal vibe. activity oh. <laughs> not not the movie paranormal activity but like one of those shows you know where they're like trying to get some evidence of the oh i do think that there are a lot of paranormal activity the movie influence in this as well yeah that's true but yeah i know what you mean that's like not what i shows, meant though, the paranormal shows yeah yeah like just the idea of ghost hunters or whatever so we find out that the parents purchased this house at a bank auction so they knew nothing about it which turned out to be a huge mistake because Pretty quickly, Lorraine and Ed and some of the other people involved do some further research and provide the backstory of this parent property. Life, it was just different before Google, you know? Well, it doesn't seem like it took the Warrens very long. (laughs) They figured this out in like five seconds. They're like, oh, this house is Not good, yeah. (laughs) Not good. (laughs) The home once belonged to an accused witch named Bathsheba Sherman. Mm Mm-hmm. She seems like a ball of fun. A relative of Marytown Esty. This backstory kind of had me thinking of Blair Witch a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think Blair Witch also borrowed from the same Salem witch bullshit. Right. Marytown Esty is someone that was a real person. Well, I think Bathsheba also may have been as well. There is like a real history tied in with this house. I don't really want to get into that because Please. you know it's It'd freak me out endless, but it's yeah. pretty similar to what they talk about in the movie. But Marytown Esty lived from 1634 to 1692 and was a notable defendant in the Salem witch trials in Colonial Massachusetts. She was executed by hanging. This is the relative of Bathsheba, who would live basically 200 years later in the 1800s. I don't really know if that's true. I, I, I'm not entirely sure if there's an actual relation between these two people, but yeah. it, it lends itself to be more credible because, Everything oh, was... the Salem witch trials are involved Just... somehow. 
so much harder back in the day. You know what I mean? It's so easy now with Ancestry.com. <laughs> Figuring these things out, you're just like, how, how do you know that this person was related to somebody from 200 years earlier? Bathsheba sacrificed her weak old baby to the devil and killed herself in 1863 at 3.07 in the morning after cursing all who took her land. Additionally, the Warrens discover reports of numerous murders and suicides through the years in the houses that were built on what used to be Bathsheba's property. Them explaining this in the kitchen and everyone just collectively was, oh, when they say the 307 thing. (laughs) That makes sense. I do think that this all turned out to be not true in real life. I think Bathsheba did not commit suicide. All this stuff. I I don't know. It's not really important. Who cares? (laughs) Moving on. In the movie, this is what really happened. That's right. The Warrens find out that the recorded interview they did with Carolyn, her voice didn't record, even though he's like talking to himself in the recording, Ed Warren. But then it starts playing by itself, and there's like a weird noise. Yes. Early on, you can see the found footage influence in some of the handheld camera explorations. They actually do switch to that style briefly when they're using a camera that Brad is supposed to be carrying around. That part's really cool. I like the way that that's shot because it looks old to it, you know? Yeah, like it's a, like definitely like a vintage style camera. One morning, Bathsheba appears to Carolyn and vomits black bile into her mouth, Disgusting. fully possessing her. <laughs> this part's kind of scary. Oh, yeah. It, de- it comes on the heels of a laundry bit outside with Lorraine where a sheet gets blown off of the yeah. line and it fits as if it's on a person get- for a second and then blows up to the window. And then she sees Bathsheba in the window. That's right. There's like a brief Ed Lorraine dirty talk moment <laughs> before that. <laughs> dirty talk. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was dirty talk. Yeah. Once again, some more references to Lorraine's past visions, sort of setting it up. But Carolyn plays it off as if nothing happened, but she's now fully possessed. It just takes a while for anybody to actually realize that. That night, Brad has an encounter with a ghostly maid who fits into one of the violent and sordid stories in the property's past. Yeah, at a certain point, you start getting all sorts of different ghosts in the mix. Yeah, it's all the people that have died as a result of Bathsheba's curse and influence. Yeah. It's actually kind of crazy. You have Look to- what she made me do! Oh, yeah, that's messed up. Sometimes just being loud is enough to scare me. Well, at first she's just like showing her wrists, yeah. and then she's like, look what she made me do, and then she just like screams in his face, and he's like falling on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it is another one of these movies, though, where it's like you, you kind of got to stay on paying attention to like what the full backstory is. Yeah. At one point, Lorraine is just like, oh, she possesses the mother and kills the kids. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's the explanation. Just so just snuck in there. Yeah. Well, I think that's what they laid out in all of that past detail about the property. But when you lay it all out and you're like, well, this was a suicide and this right, happened, right. this happened. And it's like, it doesn't seem like that. And then she, it all clicks as to what happened. And it's all to like replicate what Bathsheba originally did with sacrificing her own baby. Yep. Cindy sleepwalks again. I mean, seriously, get this girl some Ambien or something. <laughs> that can make it worse. <laughs> Seemingly setting off the cameras throughout the house, but Ed says it's not her doing that, but someone with her. Which, I do love that Roger and, to a lesser extent, Carolyn, who's already possessed, their reaction is to just not really do anything. 
I would have been like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're stopping this right now then. Right. She w- walks all the way back up stairs and a door slams behind her. That's when they finally haul ass and they're like, oh shit. From the recorders coming through on the radio transmitter they've set up, the group can hear a spirit luring Cindy into the wardrobe where a secret passage is then discovered. And so this plays in with the whole idea of EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomena, something very common in ghost hunting and all this sort of lore, which is sounds found on electronic recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices that have been either unintentionally recorded or intentionally requested and recorded. After they retrieve Cindy, Lorraine enters the passage and falls through the floorboards all the way to the cellar. Yeah, this seems like it would fuck her up. Before she falls, she finds that noose. That's right. <laughs> Just have a spare noose in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> this well-crafted noose. I've got a few. Yeah. <laughs> Just waiting for the right time <laughs> to call it quits. That's right, yeah. <laughs> when we stop doing the podcast. Yeah. That's like some thick rope, too. I actually think it's kind of cool... That she uses the music box when she falls into the basement because it sets up like kind of a cool scare with another ghost down there. It does. But I was thinking, especially on my second rewatch when I was doing the notes, it would have been cooler when she's in that secret passage behind the wardrobe before she falls through the floor if she would have seen a ghost yeah. right as she falls, right. you know, like use the music box in that passage and then like Ooh. right at the moment where you're like, oh shit, and then yeah. like fall through. Whenever there's a hole cut out into the wall and then it's like leading you into the back inner construction of the house, I, I mean, that kind of creeps me out. There's a lot of inner construction of this house. Oh, I know it is. It's crazy. A lot of between floors. It does and... seem like she falls forever. Yeah. It seems like she would at least break a leg from this fall. Well, I guess her fall was broken on each floor. That's right, yeah. There's all different like levels, I guess. Although it is only a couple of floors. But yeah, there's April hiding underneath the floorboards at one point. Yep. There's like all kinds of different little passageways. This house is sort of crazy, I the know. construction of it. Down in the basement, Lorraine sees the spirit of a woman whom Bathsheba had possessed long ago and used to kill her child. This vision ultimately sheds some light on the demon's plans for Carolyn, as you said. That's right. She possesses yeah. the mother and kills child. <laughs> Just yelling it I up. got it. <laughs> Folks, we got to stop Carolyn. Lorraine inadvertently loses a locket containing a picture of Judy, who is the Warren's daughter. To this point, I've left Judy out of the narrative. We're not going to talk about Judy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've left Judy out sort of intentionally to this point but it becomes impossible to not bring her up because she does get tied in with the main story here in a That's moment right. yeah, she's I'm, a little girl she's probably the age of april or yeah she doesn't seem quite as young as april but maybe christine um, they do bring into the mix that the demon is kind of latched onto the warrens as well yeah i think that the idea here is that by leaving this token right in the home Bathsheba now knows something about the Warrens and is able to exploit that. I think that's yeah. the whole point of losing the locket. Okay. I mean, it does seem like it would be an occupational hazard of being in this business. I guess one that they had not figured out yet, which was do not bring personal pictures and that's stuff right. like that into yeah. the whole deal. Because that's really the only explanation. Yeah, that's right. 
why else would they have that little insert shot of the locket dangling? No, there I agree. That's got to be the connection. Once upstairs, Bathsheba attacks Nancy, one of the older daughters, but not the oldest. And the incident is caught on camera, which... I I thought this part was awesome in the theater. Because it kind of happens quick on rewatch, but... And this is one of the other ones where, like, the reactions of the other kids is great. Because you just see her hair being lifted up kind of slowly. And one of the sisters is, like, looking at it. Shades of it follows. Yeah, and then she's just like... Nancy and then she's just like ripped across the room yeah she's being dragged across the room I do think it's different from a lot of these other movies where characters were only really experienced this stuff individually for long periods of time this is almost an announcement from the demon like fuck you I'm just doing this in front of all of you I don't That's care right. yeah because the crosses the crucifixes get knocked off the shelves and stuff like that and then all of a sudden Nancy's being dragged around they have to actually like cut her hair that's right to get her out of the clutches of Bathsheba kind of quick thinking by Lorraine and this videotaped evidence of her being dragged around will be the evidence that they end up taking to the church to get approval for the exorcism but before they leave the house Lorraine has a vision of her daughter Judy in the lake behind the parent house so now it's like a proclamation from Bathsheba this time it's it's personal bitch (laughs) I'm coming for you. That's right. They get reluctant approval from the Catholic Church only because the parents are not church-going, the children have not been baptized, that kind of a thing. But they're like, all right, well, this seems completely nuts. (laughs) Yeah, this seems worse than what we usually deal with. The parents decide to go stay in a motel, which is understandable, but when you break down the rationale for it, it doesn't fit in with the idea that they've established in the movie, which is like you're not really like escaping anything no, by you're doing not, this. But I can still get behind it, even with the knowledge of this thing's latched to us, it's gonna follow us wherever we go. I'm still like, I need a change of scenery though. Yeah. This house is out of control. Bathsheba comes to the Warren's home to go after little Judy. The witch ghost appears to the child sitting in a rocking chair holding the cursed doll Annabelle in her lap. Ed and Lorraine arrive home just in time to save her. I do think that there is a subtle commentary here of them being so busy with their other bullshit that they don't have that great of a relationship with their own daughter. That's true. Seems like Lorraine's mother is raising the girl more. Yeah. I don't know if she lives there full time. It kind of seems that way. It's an effective and well done scene. It's sort of creepy. You definitely scary to have Annabelle's head turning at one point. 
That is. But is it necessary for this specific movie? I don't know. It, it does feel added. It does feel like just this extra thing that happens. Yeah, there's definitely a cynical part of me that thinks that this is just being used to further put over Annabelle as something scary for potential spinoffs. Yeah. The one thing I will say is it's sort of added stakes for the Warrens now. It's not just the family true. that they're helping. They are, they've now been sucked into this, too. Yeah, we should point out that the Warrens have this crazy room with all of these artifacts and totems and different items they've taken from previous cases, and they're all supposed to be cursed in their own way. And the highlight of the room in its own glass case, a lot of these items are <laughs> yeah. just on shelves. Right. But it's like, do not open under any circumstances is Annabelle. I know we keep referring to it as this cynical thing where they were starting this Conjuring universe and only interested in other movies. I don't know if that's ever been... 100% confirmed, though. Like, yeah. Did they all think this was definitely going to be a, its own movie? That I don't is know. unclear. How much more was the Annabelle stuff built out after they felt like they were going to have a successful movie? Or was this Annabelle angle built into... Obviously, I think Annabelle was always part of the script, but the idea of bringing it back like later in the movie... Yeah, I don't know. Was that always a part of it? Meanwhile, back at the motel, Carolyn has rushed off unexpectedly with Christine and April, two of the littlest of the girls. The fact that that happens off screen is kind of a little bit of a shock too. Cause this is another yeah, it's like Josh now. Brolin getting killed in no country for old men. Kind of a bummer. You're just like, okay, same motel. You're just, thr- <laughs> you're just thrown into, Oh, well, Carolyn's gone rogue. It's weird that they don't really, and I guess they're saving it for the big climax. Like once Carolyn's possessed, like full on, living in a possession world. <laughs> she is a material girl living in a possession world. You don't really get a scene with her being evil until you're back at the house. Like, well, she's keeping it together. That's right, yeah. She's keeping it together for for appearance's sake. Bathsheba's smart. She doesn't want to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to get into position. <laughs> that's right. So she's taking them back to the house to is kill them. Is there a reason why she's only taking the two kids? They're the easiest two. Okay. Even yeah. Bathsheba, it's like I can't control five of them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why did you have so many kids? Really? What's wrong with you? Andrea seems like she could beat her up. Yeah, Lily Taylor is pretty small. Yeah. Evidently, no one recognized that Carolyn was possessed before this. Is the rotting meat smell just not an all-the-time kind of a thing? Is I know, that, just that occasional? is weird, yeah. They were like, Mom. She was like really like hit the showers. Spraying a lot of perfume to like cover that up. And then it was just like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna let my rotting meat smell fly. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea that Bathsheba is aware that she smells. <laughs> She's like, Oh, I gotta cover this up. Yeah, right. Lorraine deduces where Carolyn is taking the girls. And so everyone rushes back for a big final confrontation. Sorry to interrupt on this. I'm just going back to this rotting meat thing. I don't think I would ever like use that to describe something. I wouldn't be like, I know what rotting meat smells like. Yeah, I don't think I would necessarily either. I would just be like, it's a really bad smell. Yeah, I would be like, this smells awful. Like, I can't even bear it. But it's, it is weird that they're all like, oh, yeah, rotting meat. Maybe that was just more common yeah. back then. <laughs> Food was less sanitary. Yeah, I mean, it probably was. Yeah. Ed, Lorraine, and Brad find Carolyn in the cellar. 
trying to stab Christine as Roger and Drew, who have already arrived, fight to stop her, and we have that found footage yeah. feel again. This is weird, though. It well, I'll tell you why it's weird. Yeah. Why is the door locked if Roger and Drew already got there? Well, I think because the door's... You're talking about a ghost door again? It just seems like whatever can happen with But how did Roger and Drew get in if they didn't use a shotgun? Well, she got locked in before. Remember Carolyn got locked in earlier in the movie? So it's like these doors just can do I'm talking about the front door of the house. Remember Brad has to blow the door open with a shotgun? That's true, But Brad and Roger, or I mean, sorry, Drew and Roger are already in the basement fighting with Carolyn. So it seems like Bathsheba would be a little busy to worry about locking that front door again. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird that they have to fight through the front door, but then you're like, oh, Roger and Drew are already She's in here. She's pretty good at multitasking, but it's weird <laughs> that, I don't know, that this is the scene that you come upon. Again, you don't really get to see a lot of the build, the evil of Carol turning on her daughters. My mom, I trust her, and now she's trying to kill me with scissors. You just cut to, yeah. come here, you <laughs> little things. Well, that's where the found footage feel comes from. Yeah, It's like you're only seeing a certain perspective. It's not going to feel like cinema anymore right it's gonna feel like something that's been videotaped or something like that that's true which is weird because that's not how the whole movie is but that's how it sort of reverts to at certain times like you're only gonna get this perspective you're coming in on something that's already happening because that's the perspective we've chosen to show you carolyn is full-on linda blair now she is no longer human she's like screaming wild she sometimes doesn't look like herself yeah, it goes back to the Total Recall thing of when you're getting like this fucked up and your skin is burning, like how does it just go back to normal? And I guess that's the supernatural element. I well, mean- sometimes in exorcism movies, they do have marks on their faces. I think like Linda Blair does at the end of that's The true. Exorcist. Doesn't she have like um, a little bit cuts yeah. or something? Now on her, her face? head does completely spin around. Yeah. <laughs> no damage from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just because it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. April, okay? I'll be back, I promise. April? You okay? 
Father Gordon. We gotta get Father Gordon out here. He's too far away. She won't make it. Look at her. Then you need to leave. What are you talking about? I have to do it. The exorcism. What? I thought you said we need a priest. You're not a priest. Well, you got a better idea. He can do it. You can do it. But you've got to get out of here. I'm not leaving you! Damn it, Lorraine! I'm not doing this with you in here! God brought us together for a reason. This is it. They try to pull Carolyn out of the house to take to the priest to perform the exorcism, but Lorraine warns them that Bathsheba will kill Carolyn if they try to remove her from the home because her skin starts burning up. So she fights her way back into the basement. When they go down there, Carolyn's body is flying around the basement, being oh, thrown it's into things. A whole scene. <laughs> I mean, all right, this thing has gone from zero to a hundred and point two. They manage to jump on her, hold her down. They tie her to a chair, and she bites Brad on the face. Oh yeah, it takes like a huge chunk out of his <laughs> neck. It's like his neck cheek area. Like she gets like some neck, some cheek. He just takes his gun out, unloads it into her head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like end of story, All bitch. Right. <laughs> and My he's, face. And he's like thinking he's a hero, and yeah. they're like, "What the fuck? We were trying to save her, right. and she's just dead." That's not how exorcisms work. Bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do? <laughs> he thinks he's like on cops. <laughs> Ed decides that the exorcism cannot wait any longer. Oh, dude, I love this part. This is my favorite popcorn movie part of the whole movie when Lorraine is just like he can do it you can do it I, I love it I, I get chills I'm like yes Ed is gonna do it you're like this. oh that's what it's like to have a supportive wife <laughs> it's like fucking in J.J. Abrams Star Trek when whatever the guy that plays Chris Pine says to Spock it'll work chills alright <laughs> They realize that Ed must attempt the exorcism himself. The house is shaking. Birds are flying into it. Yeah. Everything's going crazy. Now, it is a key moment because they do make a point throughout the movie that he's assisted on exorcisms. Yes. He's never led one of these things, and he's not really supposed to since he's not like an ordained priest. Yes. Which is sort of exposing the business because I thought that that would be like an essential part of it. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> so anyone can do it? <laughs> there is a pretty cool, scary reveal here where where Carolyn transforms into Bathsheba because they put like a sheet over her and then the sheet sort of rips open. That's right. And yeah. Bathsheba's head comes through for a minute. This all looks really cool because it still has that found footage feel. And I love in found footage movies, especially good ones, where something supernatural happens because when it looks like it's on VHS or something like that and it looks real as if just two kids are filming this and all of a sudden somebody's flying or some weird shit oh, happens. It's still got that vibe when all of a sudden she's tied to this chair and then the chair starts floating in the air and it starts spinning and then it goes upside down and it starts banging upwards up onto the basement ceiling. Yeah. And then you're thinking like, okay, they're like, put her down or whatever uh, and then you're thinking like she's gonna break her neck that's she's what gonna it fall seems straight like. down yeah, yet right. somehow it tilts <laughs> so just the chair absorbs it yeah well i guess the one thing that you have to keep in mind is the demon has some stake in keeping her alive because this is the vessel 
Yeah, it's like I'm going to start all over. If yeah, I kill exactly. Her. I got to do that thing where I kind of like bruise their arms and legs over time before I can eventually <laughs> get in. Yeah, it's a whole deal. Yeah. Got to take her out on a couple dates. That's right. You know. Though Carolyn escapes and attempts to kill April, the youngest, who has been hiding in the house, because they got Christine out. Christine's out in the car. Lorraine is able to call to Carolyn by reminding her of that special memory she shared with her family, the one at the beach, the only one they ever had, <laughs> allowing Ed to complete the exorcism. Carolyn! Carolyn! Right there. Carolyn? Oh, my God. Go around. No! God, I condemn you back to hell. This is your daughter. You can't give in. Roger, we need to get her to fight from the inside. Don't let her do this to you, you okay? Don't let this thing do this. You gotta fight it. I know you're stronger than she is. You gotta fight it. Keep it going, Roger. You gotta stay with us, all right? Come on back, Carolyn. Lorraine, that's it. Get her back. Remember what you showed me. Remember that day that you said you would never forget. You said they meant the world to you. This is what you'll be leaving behind. This is the moment, this final moment, where she's attempting to stab the youngest girl, and they're all sort of at arm's length because they've worked themselves into the inner workings of this house far enough where it's hard to even get to where Carolyn is with with the girl. And Ed is like, talk to her, Roger, talk to her. And Roger's just like, hey, don't do it, (laughs) honey. Yeah, right, I know. Really half-assing it, and it reminds me of his character Peter from Office Space, and you're thinking, like, is this... (laughs) what Peter's life would have been like if he got married to Jen Aniston and they had five daughters and he's just like, this was a mistake. I think so, yeah. (laughs) I know, he's really half-assing it. It feels like he has no stake in Carolyn living here. I feel like he was intentionally stepping back as an actor to let Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga... not be the star here. Yeah, but like you needed to come through in this moment a little bit more. He's just so like not into this scene. I know. And everybody else is cranked up. You have Lily Taylor... Who has to play a possessed person? Yeah, just going full tilt. Lorraine is super into it. Yeah, like they're fully buying into it. And yeah, sometimes I think it can be silly, even for professional actors, the level of commitment to these like ridiculous stories and right. horror movies and such. But that's what makes this stuff work. Is if everybody's buying in, it does jump out a little bit. How much he's not into this scene? It's weird. It is. Yeah. It feels like he's not invested in his wife making it through this. Maybe he's not. Yeah, well. <laughs> he was reading something else into the character. Like, <laughs> this could be my way out. Yeah. 
He's like, maybe she'll kill all of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking dark. Yes, it is. Carolyn then pukes the bitch out finally, and they're able to send Bathsheba back to hell and save the day. The curse is lifted. This must be putting to bed quite the run from Bathsheba. Yeah. You know what I mean? She had like a pretty good streak going. No one in the past was ever quite able to figure out what to do about this. Yeah. Everyone else had just let it happen over and over. (laughs) Returning home, Ed adds the haunted music box from the farmhouse to their room of cursed artifacts they have collected from all of their past cases, which is sort of weird because it seemed like Rory was just an innocent little ghost that was caught up in it, and he's the only one that seemed connected to the music box, really. I don't know if they did a good enough job establishing a connection between Bathsheba and the music box. I, I just didn't really see that. I don't know. There's a lot of little details that are, it just feels like that are thrown together and the connective tissue is not really that explored. And so that does it. That's your film. A lot of good scares. It builds to a satisfying conclusion with the exorcism at the end. Lily yeah. Taylor is great in that scene. I think... Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga end up being really well cast. They seem probably more photogenic and likable than the real Warrens. <laughs> you have yourself a great movie, and it, it gets just released at the right time. It becomes yeah. this huge hit. I can just remember being so pleasantly surprised with this movie because I, I just wasn't really expecting it to hit on all the levels that it did. There's been a decent amount of mainstream and mainstream horror movies that I've enjoyed but i felt like this was kind of well this one had zero expectations that's true because you didn't know what it wasn't like oh this is the new version of it and you already had a relationship that's right yeah the the fact that it was kind of some original unexplored content to some degree at least in the fact that they were able to kind of make it be pretty good (laughs) (laughs) pretty good yeah i enjoyed it quite a bit and i still on rewatch enjoyed it Three years later, in 2016, they release The Conjuring 2, which takes place in the UK. It's an okay film. Some people hold it up in high regard and claim it's as scary, if not scarier, than The Conjuring. I don't really agree with that. Yeah, I only saw it once, but I remember thinking to myself that I did not like it as much as the first one. I think it's an okay film. It's a little too long for my taste. It goes on well past two hours, whereas this one, they keep it under two. Yeah. And I think that that 20-minute difference makes all the difference in the world by the end of The Conjuring 2. You're like, enough. They establish The Nun, which, much like Annabelle, becomes its own thing although it's not the main point at all of The Conjuring 2. Definitely. They continue the story a little bit, and they start pushing it more in the direction of this eternal love between Ed and Lorraine, and that's just like a weird direction, and that becomes even more in the forefront in the 2021 film, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third entry. Oh, man. Well, it's it's all about their relationship. I'm saying eternal love, but... I don't know that they say that, but it's just about their relationship like and their love. Dracula, I've crossed oceans of time. And they start to get like almost an Indiana Jones-esque treatment in the third movie where it's just like, oh, here they come now. Like, the you know, the hero's welcome, the hero's entrance. Yeah. And I get it. I guess that there is a fan base for the films and everything, but it just comes off as weird. 
I would much prefer a more direct approach as if like, okay, like almost law and order. New episode. Yep. Here's the next story. Not some big bum, bum. long like here's our heroes, like dramatic. Plus the third movie, frankly, is not good. I did not like the new one. Matt hasn't seen it. No. I thought it was very boring. It's not what really what you would expect. It's much more based in like a courtroom drama kind of a thing. I think I need to revisit the second one before I watch the third one. Probably not necessary. It's but not I necessary, like but yeah, I, I think the second one is okay. I was actually probably a yeah. little harsh with it on Letterbox. I think I only gave Conjuring two like two and a half stars. It it might be closer to three. It's got decent scares in it. It just I don't like the flow or something about it. There's just something off about the whole thing. It just doesn't feel right to me. But some people fair. love it. Yeah. I do remember when it came out that people thought it was a great sequel and were like on par with the first one. Yeah, although I do think that the Rotten Tomatoes score was lower. Okay. But yeah. Or I th- at least I think it might it have been around the same. Was, it might yeah. have been around the same. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's held up quite as well as the first one, though, for sure. Yeah. As we mentioned, there's a whole other universe of loosely connected right. other things. But they did such a good job with having the audience like the family and like you kind of being vested in rooting for them to get past this horrible thing. I don't know that I always am that involved in the characters when it comes to horror movies. Well, the family in the second one, you sort of are connected with. The third one, not at all. There's really minimal connection with the the characters that stuff's happening to. It's very forgettable. What are you doing? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Okay, so that'll do it for The Conjuring. Let's move on to recommendations, which is sure to be a hotly debated topic once again. So much I like the many the saints theater. of Newark. <laughs> what yeah, are you saying? I, I was just going to take credit for like this being my recommendation. I made a return to the theater this week. As did I. Yeah, we simultaneously did together. Well, Matt's wife is tweeting at the show, also complaining about Matt being a grumpy old man now after yeah. that Many Saints of Newark take. Um, I don't know that she'd quite be super against my Titan rating. <laughs> yeah, but the spirit of yeah. it. Well, yeah, I'm the first to admit, and the first movie we're going to talk about is my recommendation. It's my favorite movie of 2021 so far. Just an unbelievable movie. It won How the- many movies is it in competition with? I've seen a decent amount of 2021 20, movies okay. now. It won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival and is directed by Julia DeCorno, who directed Raw, which is my favorite film of 2016 or 17, whatever And a movie that I it. also loved. And it's called Titan or yeah. Titan. It's sort of hard to tell. <laughs> I don't speak French, although I did take five years of it at one point. Sure, same. I don't want to give away a single thing about the movie. Other than to say it's fucked up and weird. <laughs> yeah. And it picks up There's, the mantle from Cronenberg or yeah. Lars Van Trier. There's definitely shades of Cronenberg movies in it. Or Gaspar No, or some of the other body horror shit. And just shock value. It's really weird. The story is completely insane. I can guarantee you've never seen anything like it because there's nothing like this. Yeah. The first reaction I had when the movie ends and the credits hit, I'm like, 
where do you suppose someone would even come up with a story like this? Yeah. <laughs> and it does continue to kind of shock throughout the way. You start one place and you think, even though the road you're on is shocking, you end up on almost like a kind of... A separate shocking right, road like where I'll, you're I'll like, like, okay, this is somewhere I never thought we'd parallel end Parallel tracks, yeah. Yeah. Visually, it looks incredible. There's some tremendous shots in it. I think that DeCorno is one of the premier directors working today. I hope that she continues to come up with great shit and, and get the good funding and stuff, even though she does work in a a universe that is very antisocial and weird and most people are not going to embrace that's true i'm not seeing if she remains in this style i'm not seeing like a conjuring type box office no i did watch an interview with her recently and she can speak english although both of raw and titan are in french so i'm wondering if she's going to make the jump to american filmmaking at some point and if it will be as weird as this i don't know raw is a weird movie for most people probably and it's hard to watch and it's gross but compared to titan it's oh, like know, completely yeah. normal right <laughs> i mean this is like i know a whole other level where you're like i don't even know where you would come up with this story it's so crazy as i said i have it as my favorite of the year so far because i just i wish that more filmmakers had the guts to try stuff like this and it doesn't need to always be as graphic yeah. or as weird, but just to just do something right to create something so original and different. By the way, I gave it a three point five out of five for those of you who aren't on Letterboxd. <laughs> I wasn't know. thrilled with that. For me, I think it it's good. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea. I like weird. But not too weird. <laughs> this is holy shit weird. <laughs> I was at a four point five. Yeah. And I'm proud you of You were it. like, I needed it to be weirder for it to get to a five. <laughs> Do you have a separate recommendation? No, I th- I just figured we'd talk about that. Although I know we got to get past these joint. But I mean, I've been killing a lot of time on Friday the 13th movies, so. Right. I will have a second one then, since you don't have your own. Okay. It's another movie I just watched. It's another movie that came out in 2021, and it is now available to stream on Netflix. Titan, by the way right now is just in theaters although the theatrical windows now are only supposed to be like three weeks so it'll be streaming soon for probably twenty dollars and then it'll probably end up on like hulu yeah pretty soon or something till death is my second recommendation okay it is on netflix it stars megan fox it is about a woman who ends up handcuffed to her dead husband i don't want to go into like the specifics of how this happens (laughs) Sounds interesting, though. It is pretty good. It's a straight-to-VOD-type movie. This and is, did you say 2021? Yeah. Also? Okay. And it feels like it's going to be terrible. It stars Megan Fox and not really a ton of other people you would know or anything like that. So considering some of the career choices she's made as of late, you're thinking like, oh, God. She's in a movie, I think, with Bruce Willis and uh, Emil Hirsch called midnight in the switchgrass which has like a four on imdb oh wow you know like these kind of straight to vod garbage movies where she plays like an fbi agent or some stupid shit so you're thinking this is going to be terrible but it's very effective it's cool i gave it a three on letterbox which i think is pretty solid okay it's on netflix which most people have so you can check it out it's 90 minutes i think it's a good movie i have actually not seen 
very many things with Megan Fox in it. In fact, I was like, have I ever seen another movie besides Jennifer's Body that she's actually in? Because when she <laughs> Jonah was Hex? talk, I never seen. I've never seen that. When Same. she was talking in the movie, yeah. I was getting like, oh, she because I I was actually doing something and like listening to it at points instead of like always keeping my eyes on the screen. And when I would right. do that, I'd be like. Oh, that's Jennifer talking from Jennifer's oh, body. Yeah. <laughs> like she just I was like, "Oh, that's her voice." I had zero connection with Megan Fox beyond Jennifer's body, which I find to be weird considering that movie's now over like what, 12 years old or 11 years old yeah. or something. Although so, I got to give you credit for being way ahead of the curve on Jennifer's body now streaming on the Criterion channel. Yeah, and I w- we were just talking about how it's playing at a theater now yeah. around here. I believe you had that one, a champion oh, for it in been, its early days. I've always been in its corner. That's right. But yeah, I just found that to be funny where I think most people would associate her with Transformers. I never saw any of the movies that she was in, any of the Transformers movies. Never saw those Ninja Turtle movies. What about and This Is 40? Okay, yeah, there's one. I haven't seen that. There's actually. one. Yeah. You've never seen This Is no. 40? Wow, okay. <laughs> but I have seen like the Transformer movies. Well, it goes to show you. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I would recommend Till Death. I think that that one is much easier to digest than Titan, which I think you have to be a certain type of person to fully appreciate. I think so. The majesty. And I think I'm only 75% of the way there to being <laughs> one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I'm all in. I need You're something You're like 200% that, there. <laughs> I need something like that crazy now to be Yeah, move the needle. To really right. get me going. Well, look at some <laughs> of my favorite movies of oh, the yeah. decade and stuff. It's like Raw was right there, Neon Demon, <laughs> stuff like I need yeah. stuff like that. That's right. I get it. All right. So thanks for listening. Greatest October rolls on. We've got a lot more jam-packed episodes to get to this month. It's going to be a busy time. we got a lot to do. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Let us know if you'd like a free sticker. That's right. I will get back to a writing personalized notes too and for the one who didn't get one i'll make it up to you someday all right (laughs) and you can find us on letterboxd zach1983 and matt crosby thank you for listening and we'll talk to you real soon
Hey, Meredith, I'm worried that the baby thinks people can't change. 